This is Focus on the Bible, episode 37. We're going to go over two groups of people today, those who have trusted Christ and those who have not. Which group are you? I want to thank you sincerely for listening to this radio broadcast. Focus on the Bible is a ministry of Focus Evangelistic Ministries, and we are a by-faith ministry, and we're so glad that God has used technology to connect us in the pages of God's Word. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank those of you who are able to support our ministry. And I want to ask you one more favor, if you will. Right now, if you believe that you found a good thing in this broadcast, would you simply tell a friend about Focus on the Bible? Maybe right now there's someone around you who could really benefit from a time to focus on the Bible, and we could do that together if you could make that vital connection for us. We don't know that person, but you do, and maybe you could connect all of us together in the pages of Scripture. But thank you so much, friend, for joining us at Focus on the Bible. I don't like complicated things. That's why I was never a very good math student in school. Too complicated, too many numbers, too many rules, too many moving pieces on paper. And that answer was always a thing that eluded me. It was so hard to do math. Too complicated. And once I began to get the handle on long division and how to do basic math functions, they began to introduce to me that there was a whole other side of the number line, that those numbers that were elusive enough to begin with now had negative counterparts, and they began to, to combine negative numbers and positive numbers in my algebraic equations, and it was just all very complicated for me, and I would so much rather have been outside playing a simple ball game. To this day, computer language is a trouble to me. I just like things simple and understandable. And I think God wrote a Bible for us as He inspired those who put the words on paper with a simple book that any can understand. Or as one country preacher said once, God put the cookies on the lower shelf so everyone could have some. So many people seem to think that the way to be saved is a complicated way with many parts and pieces and moving things. It's not. The most recognizable verse in the whole Bible has one, one word that is the whole key to a person being saved. If you could join me today in the page of the Bible... We can do this together. Let's talk about this. John 3.16 is the most recognizable verse in the Bible. More people know a part of that verse than any other verse in the whole Bible. In that passage of Scripture, Jesus has a very intimate conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And in that conversation, Jesus tells Nicodemus one thing to do to be saved. Not two, not six, not 60, but there's one thing that Nicodemus needs to be convinced of and he can have everlasting life. Let's talk about this in John 3.16. Who is Nicodemus? Well, he's a Pharisee in verse number one. That's pointed out. That must be important. He's also a ruler. He's practically a government man. He sat on the Sanhedrin of Israel. He's also a law-bound man. He is a master of Israel. 
if a common person had a question about God, he would go to Nicodemus or someone like him for his answer, and yet we find in the pages of John chapter 3 that Nicodemus lacks so much understanding about how to connect with God for eternal life. What does it mean to be a Pharisee? Well, he's of a religious sect of the Pharisees. They were law-bound people. They loved the law. They thought that they had mastered the law. Everything practically that they did in a day's time was related somehow to the law of God. And the Pharisees commonly had a misconception about the law, the Ten Commandments and the other hundreds of laws written in the book of Leviticus. And they believed that somehow obeying the law was connected to being saved, and that's a fundamental error. It still is today, although many people are still convinced of Nicodemus's error, that somehow obeying as many of the commands as they can will get them into heaven if only God would grade on a curve. Friend, if the law could save any of us, Nicodemus included, then the Son of Man could avoid being lifted up on that tree, but there was no other way. Let's stick to the point. There's one command that this law-keeping Pharisee must do in order to have everlasting life, and it's not at all connected to obeying the law. Nicodemus would have probably shown up to Jesus on this night wearing a long robe, the kind of robe that a teacher might wear. He's a religious-looking man. He may have had enlarged phylacteries on that day. Let me explain. A phylactery was a little leather wallet. In it, a person who was a person of the book, a person of the law, would have some verses scribbled on the paper and tightly rolled up into a little scroll and carried around in a little leather wallet. Would you believe it? Right over their eyes, right on top of their eyeballs. The idea is that that little leather wallet holding those scriptures would remind a person all day long to pay attention to the law, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. The problem is in human nature. Through the years, it became popular to show off those phylacteries, and they got larger and larger and larger. It's called enlarged phylacteries, and it became a a status symbol, a sign that someone maybe was closer to God than someone else. And that's no more true than the poundage of a person's Bible today that makes someone close to God because they have a bigger Bible than anyone else. But when Nicodemus in all his religious get-up approached Jesus Christ on that night, the very God of heaven, God took one look at him and declared, this must be born again. All that Nicodemus had in all his knowledge, his wisdom, his law-keeping, his stature, his pillar of the community status equaled zero in the compartment of what it takes to be saved into eternal life. Jesus told him the answer that God so loved the world. That would include Nicodemus. It would include a homeless person. It includes people who have fine dress and those who have none. It includes people who have a lot in a bank account somewhere and those who don't even have a bank account. He loved the whole world that he did something. He sent his only begotten son. There was only one, Jesus Christ. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One simple command. Are you listening, friend? Being saved is not a complicated thing. Being saved doesn't take record keeping. Being saved is not about confessing something out loud. It's not about walking somewhere. It's not about counting every sin and somehow confessing sins that we could never even know of. It's not about promising that we'll try harder or do better. How could we ever do well enough to get to holy God when we ourselves are mere men who are sinners? But there's one thing that we could all do, and that's believe in Jesus Christ. It's a word that's the most important word Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, and it's the only command given in the most famous verse in the Bible. There is one single thing for a sinner to do, to be right in the eyes of God, and that's believe in Jesus Christ. This is so important that Jesus talks about it again in verse number 18. He says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so that single command to believe in Jesus Christ separates the whole world, the whole human population into two different groups in the eyes of God. There's one group that believes in him. And there's another group that doesn't. There's not a third group in respect of the single command that Jesus gave to Nicodemus. You either believe in him that was sent by God to hang on a cross and die for sin and rise again from the dead, or you don't. And there's a vast difference in the outcome, all based on the single command of Jesus to Nicodemus. Is that good news? It sure is good news to me and a lot of other people. Friend, if you view believing in Jesus Christ as bad news, maybe it's because you have a list of things that for a long time you thought were required in order to be saved. And maybe you've tried so hard, maybe there's a kernel of pride in your life that you actually think you maybe have a handle on doing all those things and that maybe you'll have a corner on eternal life if you can just keep it up for long enough and then... Jesus Christ comes along and says that he is so important and you are not near enough that you need him and that only by believing in him could you get what you could never be good enough to earn. But would you put away that kernel of pride? Would you admit today that there is one thing to do and it depends on his saving action that he is so good, so strong, so important and his offering was so complete that mere faith on your part would land the gift of God in your corner. You, like Nicodemus, could have everlasting life. You could be in group A, those people who simply have believed in him, who trust in him for eternal life. And Jesus says in verse 18 that he that believeth on him is not condemned. Do you know how that works? 
You see, those who believe in Jesus won't be condemned because Jesus has been condemned in their place. Everything in your life and mine that we've done wrong that is condemnable by God has already been condemned in Jesus Christ. In his body and the blood that he spilled, he paid our price. When we believe in him, the price he paid is put to our account and we go free in the court. We're given everlasting life because that's where you go when there's nothing condemnable because you've believed in Christ. The other group, those who believe not, he says are condemned already. And that's a chilling thought. Most people think that they're waiting to stand before God and they think they'll be given an opportunity to Talk to God and tell him all the good things they've done. Friend, that's a lie. That's not found in the Bible. Romans chapter 3 says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. No one's going to testify about how good they were because the law already knows what we've done and failed to do. And anyone trusting in the law to save them We'll find that the law is not their friend. The law is not their advocate. The law will be the very thing that condemns them. And so let's get out of law if we think we're going to be saved. And let's get into God's amazing grace. Where the love of God met the sin of man there at the cross where Jesus died. That other group that doesn't believe on him is condemned already. But I want you to watch this. In the end of verse 18, Jesus says very clearly that they are condemned because he hath not believed. You see, it's not a person's sin that condemns. It's not the amount of sin. It's not the badness of the sin. No, no. Why? Because it all got paid. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for the worst sin ever. And he died for the volume of sin that each one of us has done. It all got paid. Oh, good, Freddie, then all are saved. No, no, all are not saved. Everyone's sin is paid. But it takes believing in Jesus Christ to save. And those who don't are already condemned and will one day be forever condemned without faith in Christ because they didn't believe. Your sin's all paid, friend. The gate of heaven stands wide open for you today by believing in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for Focus on the Bible. We hope to see you next time. Between now and then, if you have a question to ask about the Bible, you can write it to Focus Ministries, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633.